Northheim Baptist Church. We're exploring the wonder of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but the one and only God. And during this Bible teaching series, we are focusing on the often forgotten Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to do a recap for you. So if you've missed a few weeks, now's a good time to catch up. During week one, Pastor Duncan set the foundations exploring who the Holy Spirit is and who God is not, reminding us to be asking not, how can I gain more of the Holy Spirit, as if God is a force for us to store and control, but rather to be asking, how do I give more of me to the person of the Holy Spirit? Week two, Pastor Mark explored the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The Holy Spirit inspires, interprets, and applies the Word of God. Pastor Mark warned us, don't outsource your time in the Word of God. When we do this, we are outsourcing our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Don't settle for a second-hand experience of God. So church, how are we going? In these last two weeks, has your passion for intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit, grown? Are you more eager for God to know you and to use you? Is your growing passion matched by your daily practices? Please take the opportunity over morning tea to share and celebrate God's work in you uh, with someone else here. Um, or seek their help. If it's been a harder week, seek their help to be able to celebrate more next week. This is week three of our series. I'm Pastor Isaac. I work with the youth and children at North Pine. And I'm excited for our time in the Word of God. I look forward to exploring these Holy Spirit-inspired words and for God's Spirit to interpret and apply these words to our hearts. Let us pray that God will do this as we explore God the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are awesomely one God and distinctly three persons. You amaze us. We humbly ask that you will be at work in us through your Holy Spirit as we explore these inspired words. Interpret them for our minds and hearts. Give me the words that help explain them and show love. Apply these truths to our lives so that our practices show the regeneration and renewal trusting in God brings to us broken people. In Jesus' name we pray, and together in agreement we say, Amen. Open up your Bibles or follow along on screen. I encourage you to have a, have a first-hand encounter with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We're going to be in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. It will guide us as we explore God the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. And we'll be focusing on the regenerating and renewing work of the giver of life. Trish, I'll just use this mic too. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. For we ourselves were once foolish. Let me get that up for you. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, 
hated by others and hating one another. But when the kindness, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. These are the words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who with the Son is worshipped and glorified, who is spoken through the prophets. These words belong to one of the oldest and most widely accepted creeds of the Christian faith, the Nicene Creed. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life, the regenerator and renewer of life. But what does this mean? What does it look like? Now, before there can be regeneration and renewal by the life giver, we must, must first understand the state that re needs regeneration and renewal. To help us get our minds in the space, I want to show you what I think are some pretty impressive pictures. Who's excited? Feeling a little underwhelmed? Well, there is some missing information that might be undercutting the impressive factor. These are all restorations. It will help us to see the before to help us understand the impressiveness of the after. Until we see the starting point, the state before life is breathed back into these items, we miss the whole picture. Our Titus passage begins with our pre-restoration picture. Let me remind you, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. For all of us, we need to remember that this is the starting point of our story. This describes existence without the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. Now, particularly if you're like me and grew up in the church, especially if you're one of our young people here growing up in the church, we need to hear this x-ray of our hearts by God's word. We were once foolish. Uh, the fool in the Bible, in Psalm 14, 1, for example, is the one who says in their heart, there is no God. And from this, the rest, the disobedience, the enslavement, hate even follows. Uh, we'll continue to read Psalm 14, 1 to 3, because it goes on to declare they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. <clears throat> we can declare God is real, but then live our lives like God is not. 
We can live like there is no God to show us how to live. We can know God to guide our passions and pleasure. No God to hold us to account for our actions. This self-deception, this foolishness, this sin, no one is immune to. In our disobedience, it flows from this functional unbelief in God. While growing up in a Christian community uh, is a blessing and may temper disobedience and perhaps at its worst train us to hide it well, all our hearts need regeneration and renewal. Our hearts need life breathed back into them by the presence of God. So what is your pre-restoration picture of you? Are you honest with yourself? What are the areas of unbelief, enslavement to passions and pleasures, areas of envy, malice, hate even, that you prefer not to see? Part of the Holy Spirit's work is to convict us, particularly through God's word, helping us see where we have deceived even ourselves. Are you willing to lay bare before the Holy Spirit, the whole restoration project that is you? It takes a master restorer to get the results like we see on the screen. And the Holy Spirit is the master giver of life, the master restorer. Uh, turn with me to the first page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So God has created everything. God is about to give order and form to creation, giving life. And it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, present and active. You know, we trust a manufacturer to restore a product back to life, back to its full purpose. We can trust the Holy Spirit to likewise complete what he started. And the next verses in Titus help us understand how. I'll remind you of them again. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now first, I want to encourage you, notice the character of God on display. Notice the character of God before we zoom into the work of God. God saves because of his goodness, his loving kindness. But don't miss the warning. Human tendency, when something amazing happens, like experience the goodness and loving kindness of God, is to conclude, wow, look what I did to make this happen. Don't miss the warning. Even the best of your works done in righteousness do not contribute to your salvation. God is good. God is lovingly kind. And God is necessarily merciful. Salvation is an act of mercy from an incredible God. 
Now, when I think of the mercy of God, I want to jump straight into telling you about Jesus. I want to race into verses 6 and 7, and in my Christological zeal, talk about Jesus' atoning work, about justification and grace, and how this all works in amazing unity with the Holy Spirit. And such important topics should and will be the focus of another time. But we're not done with verse 5, particularly the end of verse 5. We are not done with the work of the Holy Spirit. So consider with me the Holy Spirit's role in salvation. Really, this is the question, how does anyone going from the, go from that dirty state of decay described in verse 3 to saved for restoration by God? We know it's not by our own effort. Our best works of righteousness are not enough. The end of verse 5 tells us this saving change happens by the rushing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now we can think of this, this saving act of God different images. Hey, we're back. We can think of this using a number of different images. So God's good, lovingly kind, merciful character prompts him to pick up what we consider trash and by the Holy Spirit wash us clean and restore us back to God's original purpose for us. So our first image is of his trash regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit, of trash restored into treasure. And in Ephesians 2, pre-restoration us it goes on a, a much even harder description. It describes us as dead in our trespasses and sin. No spiritual false, flatlined, no capacity for responding or earning favour with God, dead. The only way for change for the dead is the gift of life. And we are dependent on the life giver to be saved. I find Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 5 helpful in my thinking. It's also not a bad memory verse if you're looking for one. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit is a gracious act of God, essential to our salvation. Another great second memory verse, Romans 8, verse 11. I'm going to read it from the CEV. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's spirit now lives in you, and he will raise you to life by his spirit. So our second image, the Holy Spirit pursues us, taking what is dead, and with the same power that brought Christ back from the dead, breathes life into us. The Holy Spirit, it restarts the dead heart. Perhaps like rains on a land in drought, the Holy Spirit is the living water, consider John 4, that regenerates our lives both now and for eternity. And it washes away the stain of our sinful life, restoring us. So here are images. The Holy Spirit rejects the spirit, sorry, resurrects the spiritually dead, washes clean the dirty, 
is the living waters that regenerates the parched soul and restores trash back into the treasure it was designed to be. This week, um, and again yesterday, our dog Ollie expressed his dog nature. Ollie likes digging. More specifically, Ollie likes digging in the vegetable garden. Many plants were harmed in the making of this photo. Now we can and did instruct Ollie. Uh, we can and did wash Ollie, making him clean. We can and we did firmly instruct Ollie against digging and construct some fences around the garden, reducing the likelihood of reoffending. But we cannot change his nature. We cannot renew who he is. Ollie will not become a regenerate non-garden digger. Give this dog soft dirt and he will dig it. And when it comes to our sinful nature, without the Holy Spirit, we will keep digging in the dirt. We need the Holy Spirit not only to wash us clean, but to transform our nature. The work of the Spirit is restarting a dead heart, but it's more than that. The Holy Spirit gives us a new heart, a regenerate heart, made alive to responding and obeying God. The prophet Ezekiel, looking forward in great anticipation of this life-giving work of the Holy Spirit, tells us this in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. I, this is God speaking, sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleansliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will restore the heart, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and to carefully obey and be careful to obey my rules. This is the change I cannot affect in Ollie or in myself or in other people. We need the Holy Spirit. I distinctly remember as a child, I was staying in a family friend's house that was completely foreign to me. Now, in the middle of the night, I had a bit of a conundrum. I needed to go to the bathroom. It's pitch black. I have no idea where the light switches are. Now, I knew some general directions, so I managed to navigate into the hallway in the dark. Um, I get to what I think is about halfway to realise I am lost in a hallway only metres from where I started. It's pitch black. I cannot see a thing. Terrifying for young Isaac. A little bit more comedic now. But the moment that light turned on, such relief in more than one way. The lost was able to find his way. The Holy Spirit, it turns on that spiritual light, preparing us and guiding us to a saving relationship with Jesus. We are dependent upon God to save by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, as dependent as a lost boy in a pitch dark hall.
I hope you're getting a growing sense of our dependence upon the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit with the Father and Son is worshipped and glorified. Including in the saving work of the Holy Spirit is the task to convict us of our old ways and heart. I hope you will find comfort in what is often a confronting experience because it's a sign of spiritual pulse. The Holy Spirit is turning on that light, preparing a heart for transplant, breathing life into what was dead. The Holy Spirit is drawing you back into a relationship with God as he convicts you. Now, Jesus, he uses some very memorable language to help us picture the turning point from spiritual life to death. You can read for yourself the full conversation uh, of Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. But here is the start of the conversation. Boys and girls, listen up. It's from the CEV again as well. John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and a Jewish leader. One night he went to Jesus and said, Sir, we know that God has sent you to teach us. You could not work these miracles unless God were with you. Jesus replied, I tell you for certain that you must be born from above before you can see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how can a grown man ever be born a second time? Jesus answered, I tell you for certain that before you can get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the spirit. Humans give life to their children, yet only God's spirit can change you into a child of God. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born from above. Only God's spirit gives new life. Jesus talks of a second birth, a spiritual rebirth by the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. It's a dramatic image, appropriate for a dramatic change, the definitive start of a new life with a new nature. Now, coming up in this series, we are going to explore the ongoing work, the ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. But this week, pause to reflect on the saving groundwork of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the Christian life, both for you, but also for those who are seeking to see love Jesus. Thank the Holy Spirit for convicting you, washing you clean, for regenerating your heart and nature, for giving you a new beginning, a spiritual rebirth, for giving life. As he prepares you for and guides you to Jesus. And for anyone for which is true for the first time this week, we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate well with you. But for us, for which this is old, but good news, I simply ask, are you living the life you have been given by the life giver? I have to admit, my, my intent was just to pause there. But as, as this week, I've been prompted by the Holy Spirit, I want to share. For me, October, it's, it's the planning month for 2020 for me. That's just where my mind sits. Uh, for you, whenever it is, I encourage you to think in preparation for 2020. 
Assess your commitments of what you plan to continue and what you want to conclude. And I encourage you, give priority. Make space to be working with those the Holy Spirit is giving life to. My encouragement and my suggestion is that we often don't find these people in our lives because we haven't yet made the space for them. So in your commitments, I encourage you to set aside maybe an hour a week. Be thinking, who has God already placed in my life? Who is God already at work in? And how do I partner with the Holy Spirit in seeing them come to know Jesus as their saviour? This could look like one-to-one Bible reading with them. It could look like Bible reading in a group with them. Maybe an invitation along to Connect Group. Whatever it is, I encourage you, do it with intention. Do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I believe that God will, as we prepare and as we pray, answer these prayers with the people already in our lives. As he seeks to give life not only to us, but to this whole world that needs to hear about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, you are not only Father, you are Son, you are Spirit. And Lord, we, we enjoy the opportunity to explore you more deeply. Lord, we pray that we will see who you are, what you have done for us, and worship and honour you. And Lord, we pray that our daily practices will reflect the truth that we experience in your word. And through the way the word is interpreted and applied to us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we seek that new life that you give. And Lord, we seek it for others. So Lord, we pray that we will be at work where you are already at work giving life. In Jesus' name, amen.